a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. It's great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson and have really been looking forward to this segment and our next guest. You know, as you go through your life and career, there are certain people who you brush past or you get to interact with, and a lot of them just go on past. And then there are some that stick around and stay and continue to have impact and influence. Uh, And one of those for me from my time in Washington, D.C. as a chief of staff is Dr. David Bob. He is the president of the Bill of Rights Institute. Uh, He and I connected when I was uh, back there, and I still believe his book – Humility, an unlikely biography of America's greatest virtue, uh, is the biggest must-read for anyone leading anything. Your house, your community, or your country, uh, it is absolutely must-reading. And uh, Dr. Bob, it's great to have you back on the program. Boy, it's wonderful to be with you. Uh, you, your work. Uh, let's start with your work at the the Bill of Rights Institute, and then I know you've been part of a, a great event here focused on uh, civics and education. Uh, this has really been your wheelhouse. You've kind of stood at the intersection of of civic engagement and education reform uh, through the years. Uh, but just give us a quick update uh, on the Bill of Rights Institute. The Bill of Rights Institute is a couple decades old, and our mission is to support teachers. Uh, We do so by providing free online materials that they can get right into the classroom to teach the ideas and institutions of the American experiment. We run professional learning programs then around those uh, curricular uh, materials. And what we're seeing is that, you know, civics has always been one of those things that is important. But we now, as an American people, very divided, are feeling this uh, existentially. We feel like there's something broken, but we can't quite put our finger on it. And, you know, when you conduct polls, oftentimes uh, civic education and improving civic education is right at the top of the things that the American public is looking to see happen. Uh, and that's and that's so important. And, and I think it is critical. We, we talk about uh, civics and we think, OK, that is important. Uh, it never quite seems to be the urgent thing, uh, especially when it comes to funding or focus as it relates uh, to, to education uh, across the spectrum from K through 12 on into higher education. Uh, and I know you've been uh, pressing on that. I know you were part of a, a, an event uh, earlier today uh, with our friends over at the Sutherland Institute and uh, our friends at American Enterprise Institute. Uh, tell us a little bit about the conversation there as it relates to civics and education. One of the things that we really wanted to do in this event, which was titled Civics, a Rediscovery, is take our cue not from Washington, not uh, even from the, the, the state uh, legislature here in Utah, but really from where is the sentiment amongst citizens? And so there was a great presentation to kick things off from Hearts and Minds that spoke to where are Utahns, parents, uh, citizens, and what are they thinking about um, the, the, the trust deficit, for example? What are the things that they're looking for? And the number one thing that kept coming up over and over again in the course of our conversation today is that we want critical thinkers who can 
rebuild those bonds of civic friendship. That's really what we focused on. It was a great conversation. I think it's the start of something that really has to happen from community to community, school to school, family to family. This is not something that's going to change overnight. It's not something that's going to change from the top down. Yeah, so so important that we're not taking those cues from Washington, D.C. I love this idea of civic friendship. Uh, if, if all of our conversations uh, about the issues of our day started from that point, from a point of civic friendship, I think we'd have very different discussions, uh, both nationally and locally. Yeah, and it's not kind of a mealy mouth, you know, milk toast, let's just meet in the in the middle kind of a thing, right? Oh. It's not the it's not the kind of uh, sappy stuff that you you sometimes see that poses as political compromise. What it really is saying is we're going to have differences. That's a given. We're yes. a huge country. We have 330 million people. You know, we've always had those things. The question is, can we have certain things that tie us together such that we can say then, okay, on this we're together, on this particular policy issue we're not. And right now I think you've seen it firsthand. I saw it firsthand in Washington. But we see it now starting to tear apart um, uh, other uh, communities where those bonds that, 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 that previously allowed us to weather um, the particularly tumultuous times in our nation's history are fraying. Uh, you know, when you ask a teenager, what do you think about polarization? You know, they're not going to go into political theory or anything like that. They're going to say, you know, I wonder, can I disagree with my friends and still be their friend? And so if the answer is no to that, you know what people do, especially young people, but this is happening all across American classrooms, is they say, we don't want to touch those issues, those third rail things. We're not going to talk about them. And what we try to do at the Bill of Rights Institute is equip teachers and parents and, and young people themselves to have these deep searching conversations. Yeah, and that's, it, it is. It, this, uh, and this is uh, not about kumbaya moments. <laughs> it's not about the mushy middle. Uh, this is about robust, even roiling debate over the, the critical issues of our day, but doing it uh, with respect as opposed to contempt, uh, and also doing it, I think, which is equally important, uh, with an understanding of the process and the principles. Uh, because often where we go wrong and where we do get so divided is when we forget that there is a process and that there are a set of principles laid down uh, in the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. And if we function from those, uh, we can have extraordinarily awesome disagreements. We can disagree better. It really is about disagreeing better. That's a great way to put it. You know, that the, the Constitution is a framework for freedom. It's a framework for equality. Uh, both of those things have become loaded terms. But I think at the... Uh, at, at the most basic, it's, it's a framework for, for solving um, and moving through disagreement. And I think there are certain prerequisite virtues. Uh, the, the, the founders of this country uh, didn't assume that those would always be there, but they did know that education would be a part of that process, would be a part of that building of those, those virtues. You need moral fortitude, right? You need a courage, somebody like Frederick Douglass. Uh, who, who was able to um, overcome the fact that he spent the first two decades of his life enslaved, mm. but he could come to a place where he could write a letter to his uh, uh, to to his um, master and 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 say, "I love you, but I hate slavery." What does that teach us? Well, he didn't for, he didn't forget, right? He knew that there were things that were greatly wrong, but he also said that this country has in it in the Declaration of Independence, in the promise of equality for all, something that is so rich. And I think what, what we have to um, really think about today is, 
are we a morally bankrupt country in terms of our founding principles, or is the bank of justice, mm. as Martin Luther King Jr. said, is the bank of justice still there? Yeah, oh, fantastic. Great insight, as always, Dr. David Bodd, president of the Bill of Rights Institute, uh, and really focusing us on these important conversations about civic friendships, uh, about civility, uh, and about coming together. Uh, Dr. Bob, thanks so much for joining us today. We'll have you back again real soon. Thank you, Boyd. Appreciate it. All right, we're going to go ahead and step aside. Uh, when we come back, uh, Senator Mitt Romney is going to join us from Washington, D.C. He just uh, introduced a measure uh, to counter China threat. It's uh, part of a, a bipartisan package. Uh, Senator Romney will join us live next on KSL News Radio. Stay with us. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.